thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, leading publishers of books, directories, educational guides and magazines aimed at schools in the UK and beyond. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. It's the Sunday Social. Yasmin will be joining you soon. My name is Tom. I'm going to be the admin for this show. Yasmin is here now. I'm going to invite her in to speak and then I'll invite her to co-host and then I'll hand over to her. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational. Um, We've got some fantastic shows with John Cat coming up soon. Yasmin, it's all yours. Thank you very much, Tom. Thank you very much for passing over to me. So, morning, everyone. Today's show is all about unions and teacher strikes. So, as everyone knows, we had our first set of teacher strikes on Tuesday and reportedly 40,000 new teachers have joined the NEU since the strikes were announced in late January. But despite this, not all teachers are part of unions or took part in the strike. And as many of us will have seen... Not everyone in the public supports teachers in their quest for better conditions. So today we'll be hearing from Reem Ibrahim, a politics and history student, and also Alex Thompson, a teacher in support of social justice and inclusion. So let's get started. Um, I'm going to pass over to you, Reem. Thank you so much for joining us. So would you like to just introduce yourself? Hi, Yasmin. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Um, So my name is Reem. I am a part-time 11 plus teacher and I teach year fours and year fives um I'm also a political commentator and also a student so lots of things <laughs> yeah that's really cool thank you so much Reem. so I know that you will have been watching the news on the teacher strikes this week so just I thought maybe a good place to start would be to ask you what is your opinion on them Yeah, so I think, um, look, as a libertarian, I believe unequivocally in the right to withdraw your labour. I think that every teacher has the right to um, withdraw their labour when it comes to teaching, when it comes to these strikes. Of course, we're seeing these strikes occur across the public sector, so it's not just in education and teaching. um, But also when it comes just to education, it's across um, you know, various different years. So you've got them at university with the university and college union strikes. Um, there's, these, these are the biggest strikes for them, um, I think, in history is since they were founded, because this year they've been striking 18 days um, across the next two months. I've got friends at university that only sort of in their third year of university now, we're in the beginning of February, and they only have nine full days of teaching left this entire year, this entire academic year. So, um, you know, these, these are some of the biggest strikes that we're seeing. Um, Um, at all and look whilst I do believe that teachers have the right to withdraw their labour and they should because um, clearly they aren't being paid enough and there are many different reasons why they should be able to strike there is clearly a wider problem within the public sector where whether it be underfunding or whether it be um, the misallocation of funds clearly there is a wider issue here that we need to deal with and look when we're looking at the amount of people that are in unions the majority of them are in the public sector so you know this is there is there is something working there a lot of the union a lot of teachers that work in private schools for example aren't striking and aren't part of the union in the first place yeah that's great thank you so much reem and um I guess having listened to a lot of you know radio and the news this week, there have been a lot of members in the public that say, um, for example, th- who don't support teacher strikes because they say that um, teachers already have a lot of holidays or you know are already quite well paid or had a pay rise last year. What would you say to people who hold those views in the public who generally aren't teachers? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I have to say, I think there is some validity to that claim. I mean, teachers, um, whilst I respect the profession entirely, and I'm not a full-time teacher in a state school, so, um, you know, that is, it's an entirely different, um, you know, mode of work than, than, than what I do in education. Um, but, but I do think there is some validity to that. I mean, teachers definitely do get more holiday than the majority of working people in this country. Teachers, generally speaking, do get more time off. They have shorter days. Um, although the majority of teachers that I know don't finish at 3.30. That, I think that's a lie. You know, most teachers are staying behind and having to mark. Um, although there are different ways that you can sort of improve the standards with that. So things like live marking and things like uh, encouraging um, in encouraging teachers to sort of try and get worked and squeeze it into that work day. But again, look, teachers work incredibly hard. And I think that, you know, what I say to people that sort of, you know, cl claim to sort of support this narrative that teachers are just lazy and, you know, sort of complaining and wanting more money. Um, actually, you know, the teaching profession is, uh, in my view, one of the most important jobs in the entire public sector. Teachers, teachers teach every other job <laughs> and every person that will do every other job. So um, we should be valuing our teachers. And when we're looking across the world where they have um, better paid teachers, teachers that are required to have master's degrees in their subjects, I'm thinking about the Scandinavian countries, we're thinking about Norway, Sweden, Denmark, these countries, Iceland even, they have a much higher um, education standard and they, they, they just treat their teachers much better. So I'm thinking, you know, if, if we want to sort of strive towards a better education system, we want to strive towards a more progressive society, a society which, um, you know, is full of individuals who are much more uh, sort of well-educated and, um, and sort of excited about education and, and want to actively learn not just you know in the classroom but actually outside of that if we want that kind of world and we want to live in that kind of society we have to pay our teachers more and treat them better uh thank you reem so i know that we're really short on time so um for everyone listening reem is at work i believe this morning so we don't have her for very long so i'm just gonna i plan to throw a lot of questions at her and then <laughs> if there's anyone um in the audience who wants to come up to speak i know we've got alex thankfully as a speaker as well um today um you're more than welcome to but i'm just going to be throwing questions at you reem i hope that's okay so i guess my next question for you is what do you think then of teacher unions what do I think of teacher unions? That's interesting. Look, I think that a lot of unions can be quite militant. Um, teacher unions, I would say less so, you know, across the public sector, we see a lot more of that. Um, but look, there is no, there, there is, there is no doubt that there is a, a, an ideology that is prevalent within unions across the board across the public sector and you know a lot of a lot of teaching unions both so think about the university and college union they are particularly militant they are particularly um sort of oh, I, I don't want to throw away throw around the word socialist but a lot of them are um i've had the university and college union personally attack me um for my criticisms of their tactics uh, look generally speaking teachers and this is not you know excluding the university and college union but other teaching unions generally speaking don't strike that much i mean i haven't i haven't heard of strikes um you know at least in the past few years my sister is in primary school and you know she's she's only had a, a various few strike days in the in the past few years however you know, we had two years of lockdown. Teachers were at home during lockdown and there's no doubt that they were working hard. But we've got to think about the impact on children and on the students. And there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that so many children were incredibly affected by, by lockdown. My own sister, for example, I mean, taking two years out of education is incredibly difficult and no child learned the same way or the same quality that they would have done 
um, had they been in that classroom. And that's partly the government to blame. But also, I think this is a general sort of it's sort of an indictment on our public sector industry where we're actually we're throwing a lot of money at, at institutions that don't work and the money isn't being seen by the teachers. So there's no doubt in my mind that the unions are sort of they, they're sort of I think they're doing the right thing in terms of representing workers interests and representing the teachers. But actually, I think the way that the negotiations are working are just not helpful and they're damaging to children. Um, so I know we haven't got very long left of you. So um, I could see that there is a comment um, shared via a tweet and somebody has said everyone should join a union. Collective bargaining and action is absolutely the only way that workers can hold those responsibilities, those with responsibility to account. Whatever you do, join a union. What would you say in response to that? I think, um, look, there is a sort of a, a joke around this sort of people that argue about solidarity and they think that solidarity within workers unions is is the best way forward for them um look i am a libertarian so i sort of do differ with a lot of my fellow conservatives uh on my views on union i on unions, i don't think that we should just outright ban unions or i don't think i don't think that unions are inherently bad the problem is that they, they conspire with government in order to get those special privileges and look i think that every individual has the right to withdraw their labor and so yes you know freedom of association if you want to join a union and you want to collectively bargain um, for higher wages or for better benefits at work or whatever it is you have the right to do so but equally freedom goes both ways and workers should have and employers should have the right to fire those workers that are striking or replace them with agency workers if that's what they think should happen for their own business so I think that look looking forward freedom goes both ways and the fact that unions are able to uh, lobby government and able to lobby I say fuck all niggers Wonderful. <laughs> well, see, these are the kinds of people that we sort of get, um, get included in these discussions and people tend to be quite militant about it. But anyway, moving on, I think that freedom goes both ways and that you have to be able to negotiate freely and freedom of association is important. And I believe that as a libertarian. But I also believe that, you know, I think that the, the, the methods that militants, that the uh, unions are using at the moment are quite militant. And, you know, strikes are supposed to be a last resort. Strikes are supposed to be the nuclear action. And the fact that we're seeing so many across the public sector, uh, every single week there is a strike that's occurring. I mean, the, you know, it, it, I think that really just shows how how much of a failure this, you know, this government really is when it comes to public sector unions. Yeah, thank you so much, Reem. Sorry about that. Also, I have no idea who that was. <laughs> that's all right sorry. keeps entertaining <laughs> oh gosh so sorry um but also there were a lot of people that um you know were whose argument about teacher strikes was that it has a massive impact on children and I know that you've just touched on the impact that um you know COVID had on children for example and you've mentioned your sister who's a primary school teacher what would your response be like do you agree with um people that say that strikes shouldn't go ahead because of the impact on students um, look, I think every teacher can make that uh, assessment for themselves. Every, you know, if, if you as a teacher believe that your students will be significantly worse off as a result of strike action, then you know you, you and yourself know what's morally right, and you and yourself know, you know, the impact that you have on students. But also, you know, you you yourself have the right to withdraw your labour. And we've only seen one strike uh, strike day so far with with regard to primary and secondary uh, educators. So um, I can't imagine that that you know we're comparing one day of strike action uh, compared to the two years of on and off lockdown I mean the, the impact is incomparable um, I don't however think that 
one day of strike action really does actually do much in terms of putting pressure on the administration and putting pressure on government. Um, but like the, the con- <laughs> my conclusive answer as a libertarian would be that actually if you want higher wages, um, you know, private sectors and, and if we had more public-private partnerships and voucher systems uh, within our public, within our education system, i.e. privatise a lot of these schools and get rid of government involvement, teachers would have high wages. I, I use the same argument with the NHS. If we were to abolish the NHS and have a more free market healthcare system, nurses would be paid more. Because in the, again, in the private sector, you're able to have that freedom of negotiation. I mean, there's there's no coincidence. It's not a coincidence that the majority of these um, strikes are occurring in the public sector. You know, even sort of figures about, there's this figure that about 12.8% of um, uh, the private sector, private sector workers are in unions, but even that figure is, pretty misleading because a lot of private sector unionism is mainly found in industries like railways um you know royal mail water gas electricity so even if we were to sort of have a more free market education system i think it would it would take a while before we sort of get rid of this more militant uh, unionism reem thank you so much i'm really conscious of the fact that you're at work and you can't stay for long um so you're welcome to drop off um, off the call i think there are some comments that i can see um but I'm happy to go through them kind of in your absence because I'm really conscious of the fact that you've taken some time out of work to join us today. So um, thank you so much for joining. And um, if you are free at any point between now and 12.30, you are more than welcome to join us again um, and tune into the show. But thank you so much, Reem. And I will hand over to Alex. Alex. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Thank you, Reem. Hello, hi. Hi, Alex. Would you just like to start with introducing yourself? Um, yeah, so um, I'm Alex. Um, I'm a primary school teacher in primary six, which I suppose is the equivalent of year five in England. Um, I am a, a member of a trade union, the EIS in Scotland, and I'm also the trade union rep for my school as well. Uh, I'm fairly new into teaching, having come from the private sector before and from charity sector. Uh, and I have been in strike um, since December or since November in Scotland. Oh, wow. That's really cool, Alex. Um, before I go through the comments, I can see that there are quite a few replies to Reem. Before I go through that, I just wanted to ask you quickly, is there anything, I know that Reem's left us, but is there anything that you want to say in response to what Reem shared with us? Um, yeah, well, I suppose, I mean, I can um, say I'm a libertarian also, um, and I can um, agree with some of the things that Reem um, had said. Um, I do think that, you know, um, the strike action um, should be the last resort, and it absolutely is the last resort, I have to say, and is not taken lightly by a lot of the teachers, and especially in Scotland, uh, our pay um, was put in almost 363 days ago to the Scottish government um, and obviously um, we decided to go on strike after uh, we balloted our members um, and decided to go on strike in uh, November for the first time. Um, I would say that the the pay that we've been offered, you know, she talked about, for instance, COVID times, working from home, um, we were working, changing the way that we actually engaged with our learners very quickly. It was all new to everybody. I do not believe it was by any stretch substandard. Um, I think that um, actually we went over and above and provided uh, all-rounded education 
I do agree that it was it could it was difficult for some parents at home, but it was of the time, and lots of people were working at home, incurring extra costs, keeping our houses warm, etc., when we couldn't go into our workplace. Um, and you know, we were put on a kind of pedestal at that time, saying at the same time we were clapping for NHS workers. You know how great the teachers had done and had done it that throughout that time, and now all of a sudden, when we are asking for not even a pay rise, but just to uh, maintain uh, our wage, um, because I suppose the RPI is sitting now at like 10.1, um, at 14%. CPI is at 10%, which is what ours is, our um, wages go up by. Um, and the Scottish Government are offering us 5%. Um, so we're actually taking a pay cut. Um, so, I mean, I do agree with lots of things that Eryum uh, uh, said. The fact that she agrees with uh, trade unions, absolutely, I agree with trade unions. I wouldn't be part of one if I didn't. Uh, and I do believe in the right to uh, strike and withdraw our labour. Thank you, Alex. So I'm just going through the questions, and I think I'll start with um, Tom HB's question. So he's asked, should individuals be able to negotiate their own individual pay rises outside of union collective bargaining? So also to anyone in the audience, you're more than welcome to come up and to request to speak. Um, I'm happy to hear everyone's opinions. Or if there's anyone that wants to answer any of the questions that we share in this space, then you're also more than welcome to do that. So do you want to take that on, Alex? Um, I mean, I think that that's how, I mean, having worked in the private um, sector, I mean, that's the way that uh, I would have negotiated previously, um, that you put in your, your work and you think you're entitled to a greater pay rise, you can go to your um, manager at that time and potentially negotiate an increase in pay. And um, in the private sector, that happens all the time. And, and often that was the way that uh, I did things back then. Collective bargaining is really, really important in the unions. Um, and it's the way that we have managed to get most of the things that we now take for granted is through collective bargaining, actually. You know, our right to maternity pay, our right to a five-day week, uh, having Christmas Day off and special holidays off. These were all things that were done through collective bargaining through the unions. Um, I'm not sure had we went on an individual basis and asked for a five-day week that that would have actually come about all those years ago. I think we do take for granted all these things that the unions have provided for us, you know, are really fantastic terms and conditions. Um, in the public sector, we have 25% more um, holidays than the private sector, things that were given, we got through collective bargaining and through the unions. Um, and also all the things that, for instance, we maybe don't think about directly that, you know, um, our, for instance, our health and safety is far better um, because of the unions and in the um, public sector, you know, less accidents at work. Um, so I do think that, you know, going to get a, an additional money and do it on a one-to-one -one basis, <laughs> I mean, as a teacher, if you wanted to try and give that a go, I suppose you could, <laughs> but I don't really think that that's going to be, uh, your head teacher is going to be uh, that accommodating with that one. So collective <laughs> bargaining definitely is the way um to go for me great i i can definitely see why you feel like that so i'm just going through more of the comments so we've got mr mattock who said 
at home, I guess this is a response to Reem, but he said, at home during lockdown, speak for yourself. I was in school most days. And what is more damaging to children is the day-to-day running of the Conservatives than a few days working from home um, for pupils. Teachers would have higher wages if we had free market health, but would then spend all that extra money on the insurance to pay for it. The fact that we are seeing so many of the public sector shows the failure of the government generally, not their failure to deal with the unions. Um, I could also see there was another comment by Brett, Brent Poland that said schools were open. We kept them open as much as we could. We worked harder during COVID. We volunteered. We helped families. The catch-up funding not being given by government is a disgrace. That narrative we sat out COVID is infuriating. And, you know, I really do want to touch on that because why is it such a widespread view that during COVID teachers were kind of sat at home on full <laughs> pay, having an easy ride? Like myself and many teachers that I know that worked during COVID, um, I mean, I didn't have to go to school in the sense that I'm clinically extremely vulnerable. So in that first wave, when very little was known about COVID, I was one of those teachers um, when we were in the first lockdown who was working from home. But um, every lockdown, every other time I remember I was in school and actually I remember COVID as the most difficult period in my teaching career. Um, And I know that a lot of teachers feel the same. So I just thought to ask you, Alex, and also if there's anyone in the audience that wants to come up, Brent, I can see that you're in the chat as well. And Mr. Matic, um, I wanted to ask Alex, why is it such a widespread view that teachers during COVID were just kind of sitting it out at home on full pay? I think that's a perception that was given partly by the media also that we were sitting at home um, on full pay. I know for myself, I was um, at home teaching and although I didn't have the longer commute to go to work and back, I'd spent probably far longer hours preparing lessons and trying to learn a new way of teaching online making sure that I was engaging with the pupils as much as I could. Health and wellbeing was absolutely top of um, the priority list at that time, making sure we checked in with the vulnerable children who perhaps, um, you know, we needed to make sure were safe at home and so forth. We were running hubs in Scotland. There was lots of people in school making sure that vulnerable families had access to a safe place to go um, at all times throughout COVID. Um, It was a particularly tough time for teachers who also... Um, um, if you were a parent, were having to teach their own children at home and navigate that really complex um, way of making sure that your children were being educated and making sure that you were educating the children in your classroom. Um, I think that, you know, this perception that people um, were staying at home and drinking cups of tea and eating biscuits, you know, that, that just was not the case. I come from a teaching couple. So myself and my husband, who actually we had to spend time Um, upgrading our um, internet access and broadband to make sure that we could give the best to our pupils at that time when we were both having to engage with online teaching and making sure that um, that we were able to give the best lessons that we could at that time. One of the things I did want to touch on that Reem mentioned about holidays, um, which is always a bit jarring when everybody mentions teachers, about the extra holidays we get and the, the, the working hours not being quite the same. Um, we don't really get extra holidays. We have periods of unpaid holidays. I don't know if that is the case in England. I'm absolutely sure it is. You know, we have school closure days and we have paid leave days, which actually are the same as most public sector workers. Um, and, you know, we work probably more hours than public sector workers from the point of view of the um, civil servants. And we, we are not working from 9 till 20 past 3 
And most teachers I know are probably in at well before eight, probably not leaving till after five, and then doing extra catch up at home with marking. Um, I think we need to debunk this thing where we are we work 35 hours a week. We absolutely don't. Um, and we sometimes use some of our own holiday time to prepare lessons for going back into school. It's one of the few jobs where we have to make sure that we're actually prepared before we actually go in to do the job that we're paid to do. Um, so I do think we need to try and um, kind of educate people that that is not actually what teachers are doing. Honestly, Alex, I totally agree with you. Um, I can see there are a lot of teachers in um, listening as well. So if there's anybody who wants to come up and share their views or share their experiences, you're more than welcome to. Um, yeah, Alex, every teacher that I know finds it infuriating that there is this idea that teachers um, you know, get a lot of holidays. And whilst I know that every teacher does appreciate having um, you know, a school holiday at the end of each half term, as you said exactly, there is really no teacher that works just between eight and three. I can see that Brent has requested to speak, so I'm just going to add you as a speaker. Hi, Brent. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Hi, Brent. Is there anything you wanted to yeah, say? Yeah, hi, Yasmin. Great show, as always. Um, yeah, just very briefly. I don't want, I don't want to take up too much of the time. Um, yeah, we do need to fight that narrative, that narrative that we have a cushy public sector number. And, and it seems to come out a lot, doesn't it? We have the teacher bingo, you know, 13 weeks holidays, the big fat pension, um, you know, it's an easy job. And, and quite simply, the statistics don't prove that. Um, it was interesting seeing that the government's attack on Wednesday was we are the best paid teachers in OECD. And all of a sudden, they found these figures that they used to sort of justify and say that, what are, you, what are you whinging and complaining about? And there does seem to be that narrative of, oh, these whinging you know, teachers don't know the real world, never lived in the real world. You've got a cushy number. You sat out during COVID and it infuriates a lot of us. And I'll be honest, it's one of the reasons why some people leave the teaching profession, because the lack of respect, the lack of gratitude. Uh, I know that a lot of individuals, colleagues of mine went in voluntarily. It's, they jumped in straight away regardless of the health risks and they went straight in during COVID. Uh, we helped families, we supported families, we delivered the laptops when they finally came, we delivered food parcels, we, 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 you know, some of my colleagues out of their own pocket were actually supporting some families and doing a lot of almost like, you know, the, another social service. We were, we were wraparound care really for many in our communities. So it's, it's quite galling when you hear that kind of narrative being spun and, and even by some teachers themselves who, who might have, the words don't get me wrong, there's always some individuals who, who obviously took the opportunity, but the bulk of the teaching staff I know in the, in the, in the community I live actually chipped in and, and did a great job. And the second thing is, is the pensions thing. We don't get to 67 to get the pension. I made that point the other day on national radio when, when we were like, we've got this gilded pension. And I'm like, yeah, we get this gilded pension if you finally make it to 67, but who makes it to 67, 68 years old these days? We, who's going to last that long in teaching? We don't get that pension, even though it's there, if we somehow, you know, survive the, this profession all the way through. And and that's that's the thing about it, is, is that we need to push back on these narratives and say that the teaching of 2023 is not what some people grew up with and not the number it is these days. It's a really tough job. And, and obviously the recruitment retention figures prove that. 
Honestly, thank you so much, Brent. And, you know, that is something I do want to touch on. Um, if there's anyone also in the audience that's willing to join, I'll be honest, I'm from a community where teachers are given a lot of respect. They're like as important as parents when it comes to decision making for children. Like when I was at school, if, you know, a teacher called home, even if I did something as trivial as forget to bring, you know, white socks to pee, my mum would act as though I'd like murdered my teacher. Like it didn't matter what my teacher said if a teacher called home for me my the bottom line for my mum would always be but why are you the reason why a teacher has had to take time out of their day to tell me that you haven't done what you were supposed to and so you know I'm from a community where teachers get a lot of respect um, and I'm also the only teacher in my extended family but I would love to hear people's opinions as to why the media kind of denigrate teachers so much why why are there these widespread um you know views negative views about teachers and the teaching profession and as brent rightly pointed out it does contribute to the you know recruitment and retention crisis because there are people who are really affected by these headlines that you know misrepresent teachers so if there's anyone who wants to kind of jump in and share that you're more than welcome to so um back to you alex um could you tell us a little bit about how you ended up joining a union um, I know I know a lot of teachers, for example, that aren't members of unions at all. And it's simply because they never came across, for example, the NEU or NASWIT or any of the bigger unions. For example, if I just use myself as an example, I actually only joined a union because they had a stall outside of um, a lecture theatre that I was going into at the IOE. And that's how I ended up joining the NEU. Um, so, Alex, how did you get into, have you always been a member of a union? And why did you become a union rep? Um, no, I haven't always been a member of a union and when I worked in the private sector I wasn't a member of a union and to great regret I have to say and probably made things quite difficult when I came out of certain jobs um, and at that time I did think why am I not a member of a union? Um, my dad was an engineer and uh, typically engineers at that time didn't tend to be members of unions so I didn't come from a union family um, and I don't have, I'm the first teacher in my family. So it wasn't like that we talked about unions. Um, and at that time, um, I suppose there was there were unions in my uh, dad's engineering. Um, the company he worked for tend to be shop floor workers, as they would have called them back then. Um, but when I went into teaching, uh, it was a bit like your um, self, Yasmin. It was a bit, there was a stall outside at that time. We were allowed to be a member of um, as many unions as you could as a, a student. So I was a member of um, the EIS and the NASUWT. And um, to be honest, I did it partly for safety, I think. Um, from I mean, I think if you're working in any kind of... Um, a place where you're working with vulnerable uh, children or adults, you want to be a member of a union. Uh, and I felt as if it was something that... And I also wanted to feel that collegiality and being part of something bigger. Um, I do think, you know, that sense that, you know, um, unity is strength. I mean, it's really clear when you go into lots of schools that have got a big union presence that you have that, that kind of powerful collective voice that's really, really important. Um, I think that one of the things about unions is we, lots of people just associate a union with strikes, I think. That seems to be what they have in their mind, you know, oh, it's always to do with. But there's so many other benefits of being part of a union. You know, I pay about £13 a month. I get um, legal benefits. Um, they offer fantastic um, courses online that I can be part of. 
Um, you know, I just went for my union, my official union training the last two days on Thursday, Friday this week. And one of the reasons they said, the TUC person that was running the training said, do you know what the most common reason is for, for people not joining a union? And um, he said, it's just because they're not asked. And I actually couldn't really believe that. But he said, that is what it is. You know, when you a new member of staff through the door, you really need to ask them to join the union. Um, but they offer so many positive things like better rates and insurance. You know, you can even get your tax relief and your fees that you pay through the union, through the government. You know, they have great courses in gender inequality training, which you can then um, bring into your own school um, and implement them. They have great anti-racism courses um, and LGBT courses. There are so many different webinars and things that you can get involved in. And they uh, provide better standards of health and safety. I don't know about you, but there's so many things you do in your school with health and safety, taking children in school trips and things like that, that you really need to be part of a union that's going to make sure that they put uh, your health and safety and that of the pupils you look after uh, at the forefront. So um, I feel as if I feel safer and better being part of a union, but I also enjoy all the other privileges I get with being part of a union Thank you, Alex. So if this resonates with anyone, make sure you come up and let us know. So I can see that Mark has replied saying, certainly should be in a union if a teacher in this country. There are dozens of scenarios where one day you need legal representation. That being said, be wary of your membership being manipulated for political purposes. Now, I completely agree with um, what Mark has shared. Thank you, Mark, for sharing that. Um, if I just quickly share a story, I have mentioned this here and there on radio. Um, as I said, when I was at the IOE, I ended up joining the NEU. And as you just mentioned there, Alex, most people who aren't part of a union often aren't part of a union just simply because they weren't asked. I don't think if I hadn't come across the NEU store, I don't think I would have joined a union. I didn't know much about my rights. I just hadn't thought about what could go wrong in teaching at that point so early in my career. I didn't even have qualified teacher status at the time when I joined. But I did join. I joined for free. As everyone knows, trainee teachers can join for free. And in your NQT year, uh, a subscription with the NEU, or at least when I trained it did, I don't know if it's still the same, but it cost one pound. And I ended up having a tribunal that started started in my NQT year and I got I don't even know how much it cost but you know tens of thousands of pounds um, in legal aid from the union that was able to fund my entire tribunal which I then a couple of years later went on to win and you know that was the one best one pound I'd ever spent I would say um, but you know I do agree with Mark because Although in the end I was successful in my tribunal, it was very difficult in the sense that the union did very often kind of pressure me to kind of sign an NDA or to just kind of accept a settlement to avoid paying those fees and going to tribunal, which I'd made clear was what I'd wanted from the start. I wasn't motivated by money or compensation. I just wanted to go to trial because I was so early in my career. I wanted a judge to tell me that what had happened to me shouldn't have happened. Um, FYI, if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, it was a disability discrimination case because I've got a medical condition um, and I just wanted a judge because I was so like young and early in my career I wanted a judge to tell me that this shouldn't have happened because I felt like I needed that for my own well-being and confidence as somebody with a disability and also somebody who wanted to stay in teaching I don't think I would have stayed in teaching had I not gone um, to that tribunal and I do remember being made to feel guilty on many occasions and I'm just being a bit of a devil's advocate here Alex I am still you know, a member of a union and I have been a union rep but I was made to constantly feel bad about you know wasting members money and you know you're not being strategic and you're not 
considerate of all other members we have and things like that. And so when I saw recently that um, it's been reported, I think 40,000 new members have joined the NEU in the last few weeks um, since the strikes were announced. I have kind of given thought to, you know, what will members money go to and what, you know, might happen. So I do want to ask if there's anyone who wants to share, are there any downsides to being part of the union? And I do you know, I'm, I'm just kind of asking that to be a devil's advocate. I am a member of a union and I intend to stay as one. Um, and I also would like to ask um, if anyone's willing to kind of answer, why is it that so many teachers kind of have to live in fear of, you know, like legal repercussions? I know a lot of teachers who say that they're a part of the union just for, you know, quote unquote protection to kind of quote a lot of the teachers that I speak to. A lot of people are scared that there might be a people who might make an allegation about them somewhere down the line. Um, you know, if there was a behaviour issue in their lesson that, you know, or if a parent had complained, for example, or if a school started kind of an investigation into a teacher. And so a lot of, I believe, teachers are members of unions out of fear of that. And personally, I think it's really sad that a lot of teachers have to be scared of things like that when they come into school every day, you know, trying their best. So if there's anybody who wants to kind of take any of that on or to share any stories, you're more than welcome to. Um, I can see that someone called Dr. Martin has come up to speak. Can you hear me? Okay, I might, I might come back. I might come back to you, but yeah, you're welcome to oh, come off mute. Sorry, there we go. Sorry. Yeah. So Go ahead. I, I think, uh, like you, I also had not quite in that to that degree, but I was accused in my probation year of uh, of uh, something inappropriate with a child, where I grabbed hold of his backpack strap in order to stop him from cracking his head against a coat hook, which he was threatening to do, or was I thought he was about to do, and I pulled him forward by his backpack strap, and he and his mother then accused me of acting inappropriately. Uh, with him. It was only because I took a union rep with me uh, when in a meeting with the child and uh, the parent uh, with the head teacher that I felt I had any protection at all. And I think, you know, that could have escalated. It didn't because the, the parent realized that uh, actually the, the child was going off the rails a bit and, um, and it wasn't, uh, no, I was actually doing something to protect him. But I think without a union, that kind of protection is, you know, is, is, really difficult. How would, I, how would I have known um, what to argue without union rep being present? I think the wider issue, though, is that we have, we are a society, we live in community with one another, we interact together, and despite the best efforts of Margaret Thatcher to argue that there is no such thing as a society, we are. We live together, we work together, we uh, interact with each other, and expressing that form of solidarity, unions are simply an expression of Sorry, simply an expression of solidarity in action. That's all they are. Nothing more, but certainly nothing less than that. And I think if we lose that, we are losing something really important also that we should be educating our pupils about. How you live together, how you work together, how you interact with each other, and how you act as uh, responsible citizens. Uh, one of the mantras of Scottish education, four key points. One of them is that we should be educating children to become responsible citizens. Part of that is by encouraging them to live together, work together, and interact with each other in a constructive and positive way. And unions, from, to my mind, are simply ways of expressing that in structured form. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Martins. And, you know, I completely agree with you. And I'm sorry to hear about, um, you know, that incident that you've had in the past. And I can see that Tom Rogers has said, absolutely terrible, these stories of false accusations against teachers. Lives can be ruined. Union membership, absolutely crucial in these situations. And I have to say, I really agree with that. Um, you know, Dr. Martin, I can hear that you've had a similar experience in the sense that you've had to rely on a union to help support you um, in you know, a very difficult experience in teaching. And I would say that I'm the same. And, you know, because of my tribunal, I did actually decide to go on to be a union rep and have played that role for teachers. And I know, you know, I have firsthand experience having been a rep. I know how much it means to other teachers to have somebody there to kind of support you, be a critical friend and advocate for you. Um, I guess the next question I have, is there ever a time when the you know being a member of a union or union membership in a school can kind of have negative effects has anyone ever experienced a time when um you might not necessarily agree with the views of the overwhelming majority for okay so if I use an example I think a good example I can think of is like academization in a school has it ever been the case where you've kind of had a view to support the school in a process, but as a member of the union, have been you know pressurised to agree with what the union thinks is the best take, and you know kind of completely neglect your own opinion. I know that that's an experience that a lot of teachers have had. Also, um, if there's anybody that wants to take that on, Alex, maybe we should come back to you. Do you think there's ever a time where um, it's, it's you know individuals aren't allowed to kind of have their own views and it's more of a collective one that's pushed forward in in an individual school um I think I mean uh the academization that you were talking about we don't have that in Scotland so yeah. I mean I suppose and I'm fairly new to the the rep role um I think it can always be a tricky situation especially when you're navigating between the um the views of the overwhelming views maybe of the um people that you are your, your members but also we our unions can include i'm not sure if it's the same with the neu for instance where your head teachers can be part of the same union um i don't know if that is this the case so we, quite often like i my head teacher is part of the same union so quite often is involved in all the meetings and um, it can be a quite a tricky thing to navigate um because obviously you've got the uh, teachers who are bringing forward maybe ideas that they want of change and then you've got your head teacher that is maybe her employer who is the kind of local authority who is her employer as well but she's obviously got a manager above her so it can that can be quite a tricky situation I mean and I suppose the Scottish teachers um last year lots of individual um uh, teachers didn't agree with the views of taking the pay rise that was offered uh, to us back in a uh, 20 in the March of 22 you know we were, we took a 1.22 pay rise for 21 and then an additional 1% in January 22 a lot of the members did not agree uh, with that although the the people that when it was balloted it appeared that the people that, who chose to vote said that they would go with that and the expectation that they would get 10% in the following year which of course hasn't happened and now we're on strike so I suppose and there was uh, quite a big disagreement because the way the SNCT works in Scotland, the kind of negotiating committees, uh, we have uh, member representation from EIS, which is the biggest union in Scotland, plus the NES, UWT, um, plus SST, which is the Teaching Union for Secondary Teachers. Right. And um, 
the EIS voted for taking this pay rise, but the other smaller unions voted against it. So that can cause quite a lot of difficulties, um, like in that particular situation. Um, but I haven't had a direct thing within schools where um, the members have wanted one thing to happen and the unions are pushing for something else at the moment. Um, because at the moment, everyone's in the forefront of everybody's mind is the strike for pay. Um, but conditions, motions happen all the time, you know, like for, for, I don't know, workload and so forth. Yeah, thank you, Alex. Um, that's another thing that I just kind of wanted to touch on. So I've actually changed schools this year. Um, I'm now in a school where I'm a member of SLT and I'm line managed directly by the head teacher. And I've essentially come to learn that the teacher pay rise that we had in England last year has had to come out of existing school budgets. I don't think I knew that last year. I knew that teachers had a pay rise because I was a union rep, but I didn't know that it had to come out of the existing budget that schools had and the government hadn't actually funded this um, at all. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. And, um, you know, that's something that I found quite concerning and I think has put considerable pressure on a lot of head teachers. And so, you know, I just wanted to... I just wanted to kind of ask, I guess, Alex, um, I know that you just touched on what it was like in Scotland. I just wanted to ask, has that happened before? Is that normal? And can schools therefore, can a head teacher, for example, refuse to give teachers a pay rise if it can't come out of their existing budget? Um, no, that's not the way that it works in uh, Scotland. So our, we are, um, the money comes from Cosland, the Scottish government, um, so we, it's not directly impacted by the um, the school's own budget. The only way that that would perhaps work in some kind of situations would be if they are a PEF-funded um, teacher where that money is allocated kind of on a yearly basis depending on where you appear, how much extra funding you would get from the Scottish Government or COSLA. So some, teaching, um, some teachers are funded by PEF and if that was withdrawn, that teacher maybe would lose their position. But if a, um, an agreement is made to, for instance, when we got the 2.22%, uh, that would automatically be given to everybody and backdated to when it was agreed. Um, I mean, we have terrible problems with retention of uh, teaching staff in um, Scotland. I mean, lots of people on temporary contracts. I'm, sure, I'm not sure if it's the same in England. In Scotland, we have... Um, a phenomenal number of uh, teachers who are trained but then don't end up with um, posts. And because of the Tory government and the way that they have this kind of, you don't really have any rights up until two years as, a, um, as any employee, um, quite often what they'll do is shorten your contract um, kind of and put, put you in like a kind of two week where the, you're not um, in the school and then restart your contract so your terms and conditions have to start again. Uh, that's been known to happen. Um, but we have lots of uh, teachers sitting on temporary contracts just now, which has a terrible impact on their mental health and their well-being. And being able to secure things like mortgages, planning for things in the future. You know, they can be sometimes in schools for years before they end up. I heard this case the other day in the Western Isles of some people on 10 years of temporary contracts before they managed to secure um, permanency. And that was actually done purely by a collective grievance by all the people who are members of the EIS union, taking it to the to COSLA and taking it to the local authority and managed to secure all those people getting permanent jobs.
which I think is actually a really inspirational thing. When I heard it, I actually was quite moved by the, the fact that all these teachers had managed to collectively get together to secure people being on temporary contracts, contracts for 10 years, which is also happening in the higher education sector. Lots of university lecturers not being able to secure permanent contracts uh, and being able to get mortgages and plan for their futures. Absolutely. No, I was just about to say that that is honestly really inspirational. And I can see there are lots of tweets as well. And please keep the tweets coming and feel free to come up to speak. Also, I'm just going to continue reading some of those tweets. But just before I do, I just want to remind everyone that this show is brought to you by John Cat Educational in partnership so sorry this show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational a leading publisher of books directories educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond have you checked out their latest releases don't miss out visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today so if I just go back through the tweets um, there are loads that are being shared and I'm just gonna quickly go through one so this one from science teacher says culture in this country of pitting workers against each other powerful and coordinated media attacks on the professional uh, on the profession sorry rhetoric such as so-and-so job get paid 25k so we are better off and should therefore be grateful no real sense of the country wanting better for everyone um dr martins or alex you're more than welcome to take that on if there's anybody who kind of wants to share their views on that please feel free to share your tweets or to come up and to speak uh, what would you say to that alex I completely agree with that, honestly. Yeah, I'm the same. I absolutely agree with that. I probably couldn't have uh, <laughs> gone into too much more uh, detail on that yet. Um, I think they do pit people off against each other. Um, I think um, in schools you can you sometimes can see it as well. But I think, yeah, I mean, I don't understand why uh, people do that. I mean, and, and they pit each other each other all different unions off against each other you know as well you know you hear you hear and see it all the time in twitter um it's really just yeah not very good yeah it's, um i just yeah honestly i just really want to kind of get to the bottom of why do the media attack teachers so much like what is it about the teaching profession that the media like tries to denigrate so much like why are teachers so misrepresented why are there such widespread views I don't know if anyone saw it on Twitter but there was a clip I think from LBC um, circulating on the timeline this week during the strikes um, and it was a guy I think calling from Norwich or something and he said that his wife was a teacher and basically didn't support the strikes and um, said something about she'd waited until the Friday to tell him that she was going on strike and then just said like a load of stuff that was just kind of mean about teachers and, you know, really misrepresented them. And, you know, I found it quite surprising if the caller was, you know, on being honest, I found it quite surprising that somebody would speak about <laughs> their own partner or misrepresent their own partner's profession in that way. Um, and I'm sure everyone's probably seen some clips like that, you know, these sound bites all over the internet. Like, does anyone kind of, Alex, do you know why teachers are kind of, looked down upon so much by the media and the general public? I think it's probably just that these people have never actually been in a classroom, to, uh, to be honest. I mean, I think um, before... Um, I mean, I always had the greatest respect for teachers. I always... My children always had the greatest respect for teachers. We talked about teachers uh, in a really positive way in, the, in our house. Um, it is 
the having come from 20 years doing something else I have to say it's the most difficult job I've ever done in my entire life um and um I feel a huge amount of responsibility when I have 32 faces in front of me every single day I have to say to make sure they ensure I give them the best education and I want them to feel excited about learning and want to go on and be lifelong learners I I mean um I mean, I have to say, I'm not really sure what, I mean, I think people just don't really understand what um, teaching is all about. And I think the narrative that is being spun all the time is just this sense of we have shorter days and we have longer holidays. And it just seems to be that narrative seems to keep reappearing always in the press all the time um, about the, the holiday entitlement. Um, I'm sure lots of teachers would probably you know, they need the, the the holidays that they get almost for recovery. I mean, I have to say, I don't know about you, but sometimes the first week of every holiday, you seem to spend it either nursing a cold or a flu because you're just trying to get your energy back from all that energy that you put into each day in front of that class. Um, I mean, I have to say that um, lots of, because since we've been in strike, um, the, the um, most parents are actually... Um, for um, teachers going on strike. I mean, the Parents Forum, 80%, um, the Scotland Parents Forum, 85 or 80% said they were all back in teachers striking, which I think shows that actually that maybe the tide is turning a little bit and they realise post-COVID how difficult it was to have to teach your children at home and to have to um, do all those things that we do in the classroom and they were having to encourage them to do the reading and the phonics and there was always that there was that funny little video about the um the person trying to teach his son the different phonics sounds and how he he just found it impossible um but I think uh, parents are back in things like the shake three I think there is a sense that it is a really really tough job and I and I don't know um in England but in Scotland um at the moment one of the big things that is in the press at the moment is um the violence and aggression that is in schools at the moment, dealing with that and uh, the behaviour and the day in and day out. And, you know, that is really difficult for teachers at the moment um, on an ongoing basis. I don't know what it is like in England. Maybe you can uh, give me some further input into what that is like with um, violence and aggression incidents. Oh, absolutely, Alex. Um, Yeah, just this weekend, I've seen maybe five or six tweets from you know quite prominent people in I mean I hate to describe people as uh, prominent but just from teachers in um, ed- in the edgy Twitter sphere you know talking about how year 11 in particular and a lot of behavior has really deteriorated and you know a lot of teachers I think are struggling with that I think as a union rep or just as a teacher who was who is friends with a lot of teachers I know that's always kind of been a theme um, you know across my time in teaching that you know there are a lot of teachers that kind of struggle with the behaviour of students that deteriorates at you know throughout the year really um, and I think that is always kind of a common theme and as a union rep I found myself a lot of the time having to just be that critical friend um, who listens to a lot of teachers as they kind of vent about behaviour um, and I just wanted to ask you Alex as a union rep what do you do to support teachers who raise issues with you in terms of behaviour in school? Um, well, one of the things that um, we were told in, in the rep training that I went on, I mean, um, was was always to look about, look on things as the reasonableness of something that somebody comes to and requests. You know, um, would that 
be reasonable with that kind of behaviour, you know, and in, in general, and that's with all requests that reps get. And I actually thought it was a really important thing for me to remember I'm going back into uh, school tomorrow. Um, you know, are they asking me to do something that I would consider as reasonable and what have they done about it? But we get, um, when they come with, um, we have quite a good way of reporting um, violence and aggression in my local authority. Um, we have an online form that, that is not too arduous to complete. Um, it doesn't take very long. I always encourage my members to complete it for every single verbal or physical assault that happens within the school, be it even just down to a child shouting at you inappropriately. I mean, we have to remember we do not go into school to have to have any kind of abusive behaviour um, directed at us. It shouldn't, it's not accepted out in the street. It, is, it should not be accepted just because we've decided to go into our place of work. Um, so even if our child was to um swearing would also always be a pro um would be um a, a form would be filled in for that um but i have tried to encourage i mean our local authority encourages this we need to make sure that any kind of physical violence is reported to the police we would do that if it happened to us outside of work and the importance of that is as a rep i see that as important that myself and other members support people with that really difficult decision that's a really difficult decision to make um, when you have perhaps managers that perhaps do not want you to report that to the police. Um, but one of the things that is important about reporting it to the police, it, it starts to create the paper trail that is important for them to put in place different strategies to support people in the workplace. Once you have reported it to the police and filled out the appropriate paperwork, and do it every single day religiously. I think we have to remember each incident has to be reported. Then it allows the local authority to look at specific children or the needs of that child and see where they can reflect where they're going wrong to see whether there needs to be further SEND or ESN provision put in that school. Maybe there needs to be a better ratio of adults to children for certain people in the school. But that can only happen if members or colleagues are being systematic about filling out the paperwork. So I have maybe went round and put tiles, we call them tiles on our Glow accounts on people's uh, computers to make that process a little bit easier and less arduous for them. Um, and I think we have to remember, we have a responsibility to not only that child that's being aggressive, but to all those other children in the classroom that's what GERFEC is, getting it right for every child. We cannot get it right for every child if we are not going to take responsibility of reporting when there's difficulties in the classroom, like aggression and violence. Yeah, no, honestly, Alex, I completely hear what you're saying, but it's just made me think a little bit about could there be further repercussions for teachers who kind of go down that route? Um, like, for example, I work in a PRU now, a PRU, so that's a school in east london for children that are excluded permanently excluded in that borough and uh, we have a huge issue with things like vapes and 
you know, anytime that I see one, we obviously we have a zero tolerance to vapes. Anytime that I see one, you know, it's a battle. You need to give that to me. And often, you know, it can result in that child's parent being called in for a meeting. Uh, there are, you know, various different sanctions that are implemented off the back of that vape. And it's always a kind of thing of where, you know, it makes my relationship with children deteriorate. You know, they'll call you something like a snitch. And I always say, yes, I am a snitch. You know, it's my job to report you and it's your job to follow the school um, behavior policy and anytime you don't do that I will address it and you know over time those relationships do get built back up and then you know it happens again and it deteriorates and then I have to put a lot of effort into you know rebuilding it again and it's just you know this constant cycle um, but you know the bottom line for me is I will never ignore or kind of make concessions or allowances for you know the behavior policy in the school to be breached I don't think it's good for me I don't think it's good for the children or even the school overall but you know Alex hearing you say that it just makes me think um, if a teacher was was to report a student's behavior um, to the police could that cause further abuse from that pupil or from other pupils especially if they still remain in the school or could it even cause any kind of issues with the leadership in that school because they're not happy with the fact that this was reported to the police for example what would you kind of say to that yeah I think it is I mean um I do think it is a real tricky um line to navigate I have to say um I think that's where um, the power of the union is really important and as supportive colleagues we need to empower our colleagues to do these things. It cannot become personal. It shouldn't be personal to the senior leadership team when somebody um, threatens you in the classroom or physically attacks you, that they see it as a personal thing if you report it to the police. Um, I'm never quite sure why they do take it, see it as personal. And obviously, in the short term, they're kind of an impact on the relationship with that child. Um but, you're, but it's important that we set these kind of boundaries. These boundaries are there. I mean, as, as parents, we set boundaries um, for children because we know it's for the good of them and their, their well-being and for their safety. We must set these boundaries and, and encourage our um, colleagues to set boundaries as well in the classroom. Um, and I do think lots of um, young people do crave boundaries. It's not that we are putting these boundaries in place and we are not considering that the any kind of aces or things that come with our health and well-being of that child. These are just things that we're doing to keep them safe and to keep the other children safe. You know, if we let one thing slip, we all know our children, indivi the children individually in the classroom. We all know there are allowances we make for individual children that is how we get it right for every child we know that one child might do one thing and that would be different for another child to do that but there are clear things that I think we have to follow through with and I think yeah. um, aggression um, and violence should never be condoned in any way shape or form I have to say we yeah, have thank to you I... yeah sorry carry on didn't mean to cut you off no, 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 it was just more I was going to say. We also have to remember as teachers, we come from backgrounds where there may be triggers in our own lives. Absolutely. And these sometimes get overshadowed by being in school. So if you came from, had experienced domestic violence, somebody um, being violent to you in the classroom would clearly be a trigger for you. And I think it's important that we have to remember that as colleagues and as SLT, that we need to support teachers um, when we go into the classroom. Absolutely. 
absolutely Alex I totally agree with you on that and you know I'm really passionate about teacher well-being I think that it's not something that's ever addressed enough in schools I know that there are loads of schools that have loads of wonderful initiatives um, for teacher well-being but unfortunately I do feel like a lot of them are quite short-lived and you know again due to you know pressures in funding and things like that not a lot can be done um, well not a lot is done to support teacher well-being and you know I love that you touched on that Alex because I think it is really important I think teacher well-being is something that's kind of been eroding over time and I would probably say that you know a lot of the teachers that have since joined unions um, since the teacher strikes were announced and also a lot of the teachers that have gone on strikes have probably decided to take part because of the effects that you know teaching and the current um, state of teaching is having on their well-being and you know I think it's something that's important and everyone should kind of you know shout about and do what they can to support themselves and to support others so I'm just looking at the comments in in response to what we've been talking about and I'm just going to kind of take us back a bit so someone called Mr Kelly has said it's not uncommon for trust to use temp contracts as a scare tactic into toxic conformity I love that phrase toxic conformity I think that is an experience I've had in the past in um, a school in my first school and um, you know another thing I just kind of wanted to touch on is the side of unions that a lot of staff don't mention which is that there are actually some trusts or schools where union membership is kind of looked down upon like it might not say it explicitly anywhere that you shouldn't be part of a union I don't think that is something that can be said but there are loads of scare tactics that are used where you know um, staff have to kind of hide that they're a member of the union so as I said if I use myself as an example I joined the NEU when I was training to teach at the IOE and um, in my first year of school I very quickly started to experience a lot of um, discrimination as somebody that was newly diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and I remember a day in particular when um, I was I'd, I just had two-day absence. I had a condition called optic neuritis. I couldn't see out of my eye. I actually went to the hospital. And um, whilst I was there, I actually got a letter saying that I'd triggered a stage meeting and that I need to come in immediately. So even though a doctor had told me that I needed to take off at least five days, because I was like a newly qualified teacher, I was just an NQT. And because I was, you know, new in the school, I decided to disregard the medical advice. And because of that letter, decided to return to school and I remember when I showed up on the day, I had asked for it to essentially be postponed because I wasn't feeling well. And also because I was trying to get hold of not a union rep to bring into the school because, you know, a lot of teachers had told me that union reps don't come to the school, um, as in the regional reps. There were no reps in the school. There was no union presence in the school. And But I, in this case, was trying to bring in a regional rep um, in Newham. And um, I was told... I was basically taken into a room by a vice principal and he told me, he asked me, are you plan have you asked for this to be postponed because you want to bring union representation? And I just got really scared and said no. And I was asked if I was part of a union and again, I denied it. I said I wasn't. So I just flat out lied because I was scared and I, I didn't know enough about my own rights to, um, you know, be able to speak up for myself in that way. And I just thought it was safer to deny it. And, um, you know, I went from that experience to a complete different one at a school just nearby where there was a really strong union presence. You know, unions were really supported and, you know, their opinion was taken into account at every level. You know, I was a union rep and I had a very good relationship with the head teacher. Um, and, you know, I never kind of felt penalised for being a union rep. Um, and I also would like to say I was never, you know, particularly antagonistic. I was somebody who made it very clear 
that I wanted to work with him. And I just saw myself as someone just merely, you know, facilitating the opinions of staff anonymously. And, you know, that's kind of what I saw my role as. So, you know, I have had completely different ends of the spectrum in terms of my experience as someone in the union. Um, and I just kind of wanted to ask you, Alex and Dr. Martins, and also just saw in the comments that you two are married. I did not realise. Um, but, you know, I just wanted to ask either of you, um, do you know of teachers that are in schools? Do you know anything about schools where, you know, union membership and presence is, you know, really looked down upon? Um, in Scotland in general, my sense is it's not looked down upon. Um, but I have heard a couple of stories where, you know, the union rep is a wee out at training and the head teacher has then come in and kind of chastised everybody in the staff room for talking about strike action and making people feel uncomfortable. So I suppose it depends on the head teacher. You can get various levels of kind of low-level intimidation, I suppose, would be the way. And not all head teachers. Um, see union reps as being a positive thing in the school. I think it is a way to um, deflect any um, anything basically brewing or building up, actually. Um, I mean, I see that as my job. I see it as, you know, a way to be reasonable, to actually make the school better. That is the whole point of the union rep. I don't want to be antagonistic in any shape. Uh, way I want the school to be better I want people to have a good work-life balance and I think that that's what my job is and I if I was a head teacher I think I would be um kind of have open arms and say like yeah I want to make my school as good as it can be with healthy um colleagues who feel as if this is a fantastic place to work so totally Alex no I completely hear you on that one and I can see Paul has also sent a comment that I completely agree with he said you never know when you'll need help from the union never presume your school will do everything in your best interest when you need them unions will have your best interests as their main objective and you know that's something that I totally totally agree with I think it's really important and now more than ever for anyone you know as you touched on um quite rightly Alex at the start you know you said a lot of the people that aren't members of unions just aren't simply because they weren't asked and you know I think now is a, the best time ever for all teachers to kind of be encouraged to join whichever union um, you know they are interested in joining and to do it because you never know when you'll need their help and as a lot of people in the comments have you know quite rightly pointed out there is strength in numbers and you know there is strength in being represented by a, a rep essentially and a union that will always kind of have your best in interest as their main objective I totally agree with that um Reem has said that she will see if she can come back and join us it would be really interesting for anyone that's been here since the start it would be really interesting to kind of you know um throw some of these questions that people have had at her um so the next question I had for you now Alex kind of to just touch on what Paul said is what would you say now to a teacher that isn't a member of a union what advice would you give them I think if somebody came in and I, or I if somebody in my school that wasn't a member of a union I think you're always wanting to kind of ask why why what is what has made them not make that decision um 
Because sometimes they are just frightened. I think there are people that you were talking about, you know, the fear that they think they have a kind of troublemaker label on their head, that that is, if they're a member of a union, that can be sometimes implied. Um, and I think um, I would always try and, I think it's important to talk about the other benefits of being part of a union. You know, okay, there is the collective bargaining, you know, for bigger things and so forth, and the collective voice and the unity and strength and these are all things they probably already know but tell them about all the the other positive things that unions offer to them not just in the the not just having somebody in your corner and at the greatest time of need when or if something horrific had happened and your an accusation is made or whatever in school but all the things that you get from them on a day-to-day basis you know, just checking that your working time agreement, which is what we have in Scotland, is okay for that extra one-hour meeting you were asked to do um, that eats into your own time. Or just about all the fantastic courses that they offer and things that actually help your professional development. These are things that we as teachers, we are lifelong learners and we always want to be learning all the time. So the union offers all of these things to uh, you for a tiny amount of money. I mean, you wouldn't be able to pay for these probably on a teacher's salary the rest of the year. So take full advantage of them. No, totally, Alex. And, you know, I guess my next question for you then are, are unions kind of missing a trick then? Because, you know, it did really strike me when I saw that 40,000 new people have joined the NEU since, you know, the strikes were announced. I mean, I remember first seeing the Nazwit one and being a little bit worried um, if maybe the NEU also wouldn't uh, reach the threshold in the ballot because um, I I mean, anyone who's a member of the NEU will know they were acting like, I don't know, maybe like debt collectors. I've got so many calls. I've had an issue with, I've got a communal post box and I've had some issues completely unrelated to me with my post. And on top of that, there were the um, Royal Mail strikes, which obviously I support, but um, I was having issues where I wasn't receiving all of my posts. They were sometimes going to the wrong address, just kind of in the same area. And um, the NEU, you know, they were calling me, emailing me, texting me. I was getting cold calls on private numbers. Like, it was kind of scary, you know, Um, but obviously for the greater good in the sense that they wanted me to send off my ballot. So when the NEU one came out and, you know, they did have... um, they had reached the threshold. I was, of course, you know, happy to see that and also not surprised because, you know, they'd been like hounding my phone for quite a while. And I'm sure they probably did that to a lot of other <laughs> as well. Um, but are they missing the trick? Because, you know, why then don't unions do more in outside of this you know, period of time to kind of get more people to sign up? Like, what could unions be doing differently? Do you reckon they might sometimes be kind of overburdening? their reps in individual schools when they rely on them to recruit new staff because I don't think I really do ever see any kind of campaigns in the public and I know that unions have a lot of money like the NEU for example which I'm a member of I don't really see many campaigns to recruit staff that aren't part of um, unions so do you reckon they might be missing a trick? Um, I think they probably are. I mean, I came from a a marketing background for quite a number of years and sometimes I look at some of the uh, in the quieter times, uh, they don't seem to generate that same level of interest. I do think they need to do that on an ongoing basis. They need to remind people that, you know, strike is the kind of last resort. Just now that it's all we're hearing about in the press, um, the strikes all the time. And it's important that people know about all the other good things that they do 
the rest of the time, you know, the other um, the other bargaining they're doing um, to try and make sure that we have better working conditions and so forth. For instance, like the story I told you about the securing the um, uh, the um, permanency for people that had been working for 10 years in temporary contracts, that is a massive win for a union. That's the type of story that we need to get out there on an ongoing basis all the time. These are the really positive things that are out with strike action um, and and tell them about all the um, extra things that they're doing. You know, ensure you can get, for instance, I had a situation in my school where I my car was hit in the car park um, and it wasn't a major thing, but I did. I only then realised that my union, because it happened, it was a work-related accident while I was at a place of work, my union paid to get my car fixed for free. Oh, wow. I mean, now that is quite, it was a, quite a small thing. It wasn't a huge amount of money, but I remember telling lots of people about that and saying, you know, these are things that people need to know about. This is where your union fees go. And I think that we need to get these kind of small, good stories out there about why joining a union helps you in so many other ways. Wow, Alex, honestly, I didn't know that that was possible um, in a union. Could you maybe tell us then about some of the, I know we've touched on some of them. I know some people have replied as well in the comments. I can see that there are CPDs, um, there's NU New Professionals and Young Workers Network that run sessions and explain union views and functions um, but you know maybe someone here listening isn't part of a union could you kind of tell us about some of the benefits that staff get that some people might not know about because I didn't know for example that you could get your car fix or that example you just shared um, yeah we have in the EIS we have lots of things where we have um, schemes where you get discounts on lots of um, retail outlets um, it's like an EIS discount card you can have uh, once you sign up you can get something like up to 10% which I think in a cost of living crisis is absolutely key that lots of people make use of that as much as possible if you don't use it you lose it I believe in that a lot so um, we encourage people to do that the webinars and all these fantastic networks that you can be part of are absolutely fabulous I mean um, definitely the stuff we've had the anti-racism uh, and the BME and all that kind of thing we were trying to get people to join all these really really good networking programs to allow you to take it into your school and get support you know the LGBT plus group where you can uh, bring that into your school finding positive ways to engage um, with the pupils in your classroom reduced insurance I also heard a thing the other day, but they don't do it now, but they were saying that possibly this may be something that is coming back, um, that they were saying that it used to be that they used to do deals with uh, energy companies um, where they would uh, the TUC used to get discounts for members um, with energy companies, and there was talk about whether that may be something through collective bargaining they might be able to actually reinstate that. I think at a time of a cost of living crisis where our bills have went up by what, 100% for some of us, that may be a really positive thing um, to, to go down. Um, it provides lots of support and help for probationers. Uh, you know, people that are just brand new into the profession, giving them lots of support. Um, and I heard somebody recently who was really struggling with a family situation 
and just needed some help with um, counselling or guidance about how to support them and was at the end of her tether and contacted her union who gave her the number for counselling services to move forward with that, which I think on a wellbeing front is pretty phenomenal, I have to say. Um, and they I do lot. Yeah, Alex, so- I will just say really quickly, I'd heard of, um, I think it's called the SAS Wellbeing Service. And I believe that it's free for anyone that's a school teacher. I just thought I'd mention that if there is anybody that wants to check that out. Um, I do remember kind of signposting people to that as a union rep. So, um, you know, if anyone wants to kind of check that out. But sorry, Alex, carry on. Yeah, no. And they also do um, lots of research and money goes into um, those kind of things, you know, where uh, to highlight problems in recruitment and policies and so forth. So there's... Lots of ways to be actively involved in your union. I mean, we have executives in our uh, in Scotland where you can be part of a union but join your executive, which um, is stuff that's kind of on the ground in your local authority, and you can become really um, have a voice there. Uh, and I think it's important. These things are not um, too onerous. You know, it, they can be one or two hours, even a month, or just to. Um, have your voice heard if you've got a particular interest in certain areas. So I think the main thing is unions are made of members. The members make the union. And and it's when we have all these fantastic members who are great and phenomenal teachers having their voice heard within all these smaller groups. That's what makes our unions fabulous. Absolutely. Um, and I'm going to read some more of the comments. There's one from Tom that's made me laugh. But just going to remind everyone for the last time that John Cat Educational, um, this show, show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational mag- um, guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Um, there is a question from tom that's really made me laugh it said would more people join slash stay in the neu if it weren't for kevin and mary sending them all those text messages um i find that hilarious for anyone that is an neu member honestly sometimes i feel like i hear from kevin and mary more than my own parents um it's honestly hilarious and i think that's a great question tom um do you think alex then sometimes unions might kind of waste time contacting or do, do you reckon sometimes they might spam people or kind of over contact them um, whilst not reaching out to enough of the people that aren't part of part of unions well I suppose I mean I, we didn't have that in Scotland and I did think it was really funny on Twitter when I was, was watching everybody getting spammed and lots of text messages asking why you hadn't sent your ballot back in yeah. time and so forth and I did think it was quite funny uh, I suppose I'm their own person to ask as a union member. I would just find that quite hilarious that they were making sure. But I, I, my interest, I suppose, coming from a marketing background years ago, is how many people actually made sure they sent out that ba- sent that ballot paper back on the on the back of somebody sending them that text message. You know, um, you are part of a union. Um, I mean, I think a couple of people were complaining that it was it was a bit over the top. But that's how they get the votes in. And luckily, the NEU ended up with the outcome. It would be interesting to see whether the NESUWT did the same and they didn't end up meeting the threshold. Uh, I don't know whether you know whether they did that. 
Um, I think they didn't um, to the same extent. I've got quite a few good friends that are members of, I don't know actually if it's called the NASUWT. I just call it NASWIT. I don't so know. So I call it NASWIT as well. It's too complicated to say it any other way. Um, but yeah, I don't think they did. The NEU one, honestly, it was terrifying at points. Like um, you'd get this message that would say something like, um, have you sent off all it will say you are on our list of people that haven't sent a ballot and then you'll be given the option a b c or d so a would be something like i still haven't sent it and then b would be like i sent it today and then c would be like um can you send me another one in the like it was just really and it was constant and i agree with you i think that is the reason why they were able to meet the threshold i mean it was slightly terrifying but i do agree if that hadn't happened it probably wouldn't have crossed the threshold and i do well from just two friends i've spoken to really it's not really representative of like all naswit members but i don't think they were um you know kind of under that same level of communication but you know i do find it really funny that tom said that and i do remember as well during lockdown whenever boris johnson or chris whitty or somebody would come on telly do you remember that like really terrifying yeah when we'd constantly get these updates and these powerpoint slides um, I remember whilst watching that, it, every single time without fail, I'd get a text that says, hi, it's Kevin and Mary, and we do not support the Prime Minister, like every single time. And Oh, we uh, never had that level of, I mean, <laughs> no, I think I'd find that a bit disconcerting if every time they appeared on the television, I'd get that. I, we ne- I think I had one text message to say, have you sent your ballot back? And I replied with yes, and that was it. <laughs> they, never, oh, they never hounded me again. I don't think I'd be happy if my fees were going uh, into that level uh, of engagement uh, with me, I have to say. But I do know that, and I don't know whether, I'm presuming it is the same, um, that if your union did not meet the threshold, that you can swap. And I think it's important to get that message out there to lots of people in Scotland. If one of your unions didn't meet the threshold, but you want to strike... You can resign from that union and the next day join the next one and be on the picket line with everybody else. Um, and I think that is really important. I'm presuming that Naswat probably lost quite a few members because of that, um, swapping to a different union just to ensure that some people who wouldn't want to cross the picket line could join their colleagues there. I'm presuming lots of people did do that in England, I would thought. Oh. Definitely. Um, yeah, just from speaking to people, I mean, I always get messages about these things. And um, I mean, most of my friends also are teachers. And so, you know, it's something we always kind of discuss. And I do remember a couple of years ago, there were a few people that were, you know, a little bit sneering and like, you know, I've switched to Naswit, you know, I've left the NU. And by the way, I would never, you know, kind of criticise any teacher for whichever union they choose to join or leave. But, um, you know, all those same people I do know have now also switched back to the NEU. And, you know, I just remember feeling um, a sense of kind of gratitude and happiness on behalf of teachers. You know, I'm happy that last week kind of felt like a win for teachers in the sense that I was happy to see that so many new people have joined um, the NEU. I was happy to know that so many teachers were able to strike. I was also really happy to know that a lot of teachers were supported by their head teachers or their schools in general if they wanted to strike. Um, And I do really hope, you know, that something comes off it. I think that teachers deserve to have you know to be supported in their well-being to be supported in resources I think it's better for everyone you know staff students parents every single stakeholder in a school would benefit from teachers having better conditions and you know it's something that I massively support for that reason and I will just throw in there as well that um, I'm 
even though I'm a member of SLT, I haven't joined, is it called the NEHT or something? I've stayed a member of the NEU and I did choose to go on strike as well on um, last week. And, you know, it's something that I support and I'm sure that loads and loads of teachers do. And honestly, Alex, I've really appreciated having you contribute. I also want to thank everyone in the audience who has shared and sent comments and for everyone who stayed um, to listen. I can just see that somebody has requested um, I feel a bit nervous now after what happened right at the start, but I'm just going to add you as a speaker. Is it Clinton? Thanks for joining us. We are going to be ending really soon. So if there was something, oh, it's gone. Okay, never mind. Um, yeah, I do want to thank everyone who's taken, you know, an hour and a half out of their Sunday to come and listen to this. Um, Alex and Dr. Martin as well. You know, I really appreciate you guys taking your time. Oh, we've got a request from um, Bar. Let me just add Bar as a speaker. Hello, Bar. Can you hear me? Oh, there was an error. I'm not sure what's going on, guys. Um, let me just invite her to speak. We've only got a couple of minutes left, but, uh, you know, I've really enjoyed reading these comments. Some of them have made me laugh, and, you know, a lot of them are things that do resonate with me as a teacher. Um, just oh there we go Bar did you have a question thanks for joining us by the way I think you need to come off mute oh I um, am I am on mute I was on oh, mute okay good. sorry hey Bard yeah thank you no problem I was saying excellent show sorry um Sunday's like tidy up clean up days so everything's going uh -huh. um I was gonna say um I agree with I guess pretty much everything Alice said it was really really informative um, uh, show so thank you for putting that on lots of really good um, questions and um, things quite answered and unpacked which is great for people to hear I wanted to add one thing earlier on but again everything was going on around me so I couldn't do that um, in regards to pay um, when we were talking yeah. about the um, uh, the union having that collective bargaining power it's true and the strength in numbers and I agree with all of that in regards to working conditions and pay that is brilliant i did wanted to add that there is a space for people to individually always negotiate their pay um for someone who education is their second career um i felt that that skill that i picked up in the private industry um worked for me when i was coming into the education industry to negotiate my pay um, and i still just wanted to remind people about the gender pay gap and the pay disparities and equalities and it's really really important for people to know um, especially when we as educators go above and beyond all the time, um, our actual job description is good for people to be able to have that power and know their worth and be able to negotiate um, in, 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 in regards to what's going on with them individually. I just wanted to add that. But honestly, thank you so much. I think that's something that's very easily um, forgotten and a lot of teachers, you know, aren't often told that, you know, that's a really, really useful reminder. Thank you so much. And I did actually um, go to... A an NEU campaign recently in a school, a primary school next door to the Peru that I work at in East London, where there was that kind of campaign for, um, you know, female staff to get equal pay. And, you know, I just kind of couldn't believe it. I feel like things like that, a lot of teachers or a lot of people, not teachers per se, but a lot of the public aren't really aware of that. And, you know, thank you, Bad. Thank you so much as well to Alex and Dr. Martins again. And thank you so much to everyone that's taken an hour and a half out of their Sunday to tune in. I've really enjoyed reading all of your comments. Please feel free to tune in again two weeks from now, same time, 
in two Sundays time and um, yeah thank you so much to everybody that's um, contributed and to everybody that's listened and everyone that sent a comment and I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend bye everyone thank you very much it was great being here thanks so much Jasmine thank you Alex thank you bye-bye bye you've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.